Hey guys, Caleb here. I wanted to come to you out of the gate on this recording to tell you that you're going to hear something a little bit different than you're used to if you regularly listen to the sermon audio from Buffalo City Church. This last Sunday was Vision Sunday at Buffalo City Church, and so we spent some time unpacking the vision and the mission of Buffalo City Church. So what you hear is going to be a little bit longer than you're used to. Um, it's also You're also going to hear a handful of voices. First you'll hear Mark, and then you'll hear uh, Larry, then Ralph, then Blaze, and then I will wrap it up at the end. Take some time, listen through it, process it, uh, maybe talk through it with someone. Hopefully you can spend some time in a community group discussing uh, what you hear here uh, so that we can be refreshed together and encouraged uh, as we take the gospel to the Jamestown community. All right, so we have called this Sunday, Vision Sunday, you'll be hearing from each of our elders for just a few minutes and then Caleb will will wrap up. So if you wake up in the middle of the night and you need to find something or if the power goes out and you find yourself in the dark and you need to get around, what, what do you do? You, you either, if you get up, you turn on the light, obviously, or you try to find a candle or a flashlight so that the light illumines where you are and you can see clearly. And I see that there are a number of us this morning who were visually challenged. In other words, we wear glasses or contacts or have had some kind of surgery to make our to correct our eyesight. And we do that because things are blurry and we can't see. And the older you get, sometimes the blurrier they are. And you end up with bifocals and trifocals and all kind of weird things that they don't laugh at me. So, so uh, <laughs> and that's why you sometimes see us older folks look to see what's going on. So how many of you can relate to that? Some of you? Yeah, yeah there you go. Oh, you're not old. You're getting there. <laughs> so we call today Vision Sunday, right? And sometimes that has the connotation of vision like, we're going to give you vision. This is our vision. This is whew, way out there. It's like this cool word, right? That's, I mean, that's not, that's part of it. But what we want to do is just remind all of us and illuminate, give vision, give clarity to what Buffalo City Church is all about. And so I have been, as one of the elders, I have been tasked with this statement. I think it should be on a slide up here. Uh, and that is the, the topic of corporate worship, which is what we do on Sunday mornings, right? It's this gathering. And... As far as I'm concerned, and Caleb is concerned, and our elders are concerned, when we gather for corporate worship, that Sunday morning worship, our attitude must reflect a greater desire to bring something to the gathering than to receive something from it. Now, if you were here last Sunday, you heard me comment on this briefly, and I think I said something to the effect of, uh, in America... We are trained almost by default because we are so entertainment-oriented. We are trained to be passive observers uh, to certain degrees. Now, if you go to a football game, you're an observer, but that's not passive most of the time unless your team happens to be losing, and then it's pretty passive uh, But uh, for most people. Uh, if you go to the movie theater, it's it's pretty passive. You know, If you go to a to a symphony concert, that's pretty passive. Broadway plays, pretty passive unless you're applauding. You're recognizing what's been done on the platform. Rock concerts, eh, it's a little different. A lot of times those are, those are more participatory. In fact, a lot of rock bands really 
one of their one of the things they try to do is get people involved in what's happening, right? And that's their their whole mo. This is not entertainment, and so when we step into the corporate gathering, we let go of the preconception that we are coming to just receive and take something away from it, like we would in those aforementioned venues. But rather, we we ask ourselves, what do we bring to this? And you might be like, well, Pastor Mark, I don't even know what you're talking about. I, all I do is bring my family. Is that what, does that count? Well, yeah, that counts, I guess, in some kind of a way. But here's what I'm talking about. Would you turn your Bibles, please, to Ephesians chapter 5 and Colossians chapter 3. Let's go ahead and take those two chapters. Put your finger in Colossians. We're going to read some scripture. Ephesians 5 and Colossians 3. So this is going to be an if-then statement, right? This is a conditional statement. If you desire to fulfill the biblical mandate to bring something to worship, then these scriptures must be active in your life. I'll say that again. If it is your desire to obey the biblical mandate to bring something to corporate worship, then the scriptures we're getting ready to read must be an active part of your life. So this, in a sense, kind of fills your tank during the week so that when you gather with the body, you have something to bring. So here it is. I'm just going to read a number of verses here from chapter 5, starting in verse 1. It says, Therefore be imitators of God. Therefore be imitators of God. For us to imitate someone, we have to see them. We have to know them. There are some implications here, right? Therefore be imitators of God. As beloved children, and walk in love as Christ loved us and gave himself up for us, a fragrant offering and sacrifice to God. But sexual immorality and all impurity or covetousness must not be even named among you, as is proper among the saints. Let there be no filthiness, nor foolish talk, nor crude joking, which are out of place. But instead, let there be thanksgiving. For you may be sure of this, that everyone who is sexually immoral or impure, or who covets, that is, an idolater, has no inheritance in the kingdom of Christ and God. Let no one deceive you with empty words. For because of these things, a wrath of God comes upon the sons of disobedience. Therefore, do not become partners with them. For at one time you were darkness, but now you were light in the Lord. Walk as children of light, for the fruit of light is found in all that is good and right and true. And try to discern what is pleasing to the Lord. Take no part in the unfruitful works of darkness, but instead expose them, for it is shameful even to speak of the things that they do in secret. But when anything is exposed by the light, it becomes visible, for anything that becomes visible is light. Therefore it says, Awake, O sleeper, and arise from the dead, and Christ will shine upon you. Look carefully then how you walk, not as unwise, but as wise, making the best use of the time because the days are evil. Therefore, do not be foolish, but understand what the will of the Lord is, and do not get drunk with wine, for that's debauchery, but be filled with the Spirit, addressing one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody to the Lord with your heart, 
giving thanks always and for everything to God the Father in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, submitting to one another out of the reverence for out of reverence for Christ. So that whole first discourse, we would do it a great injustice if we were to think that this is the list of rules that we do and that we try to keep. Because the truth is, all those things that, that I just mentioned, Mark Reeves, another self, I don't have the strength to keep those. It's only as I surrender to the power of the Holy Spirit and with a contrite heart, and I examine my heart. As Jesus said, it's the lust of the eyes, the lust of the flesh, and the pride of life. That those are the three things that derail our faith. And so if I'm continually examining myself for those elements, lust of the eyes, lust of the flesh, pride of life, and I'm, and I'm, I'm putting those and I'm giving those to the cross, then I'm placing myself positionally, I'm positioning myself that I can walk in what I just read. So you're going to find this next passage very similar, uh, Colossians 3. Let's look at it. Colossians chapter 3. Very similar passages. If then you have been raised with Christ, seek the things that are above. Remember, uh, Ephesians 5 started, said, said, started with, it be imitators of God. Well, this one begins with, seek things that are above, where Christ is. Seated at the right hand of God. Set your minds on things that are above, not on things that are on earth. For you have died, and your life is hidden with Christ in God. When Christ, who is your life, appears then you also will appear with him in glory. Put to death, therefore, what is earthly in you, sexual immorality, impurity, passion, evil desire, and covetousness, which is idolatry. On account of these things, the wrath of God is coming. Again, we're seeing some, some common themes in these two letters from Paul to these churches. In these two, uh, you once walked you, when you were living in them, but now you must put them all away. Anger, wrath, malice, slander and obscene talk from your mouth. Do not lie to one another, seeing that you've put off the old self with its practices and put on the new self, which is being renewed in knowledge after the image of its creator. There's that, there's that, there's that imitate God piece there. Here there is not Greek and Jew, circumcised and uncircumcised, barbarian, Scythian, slave, free, but Christ is all and in all. Put on, then, as God's chosen, uh, holy and beloved, compassionate hearts, <laughs> kindness, humility, meekness, and patience, bearing with one another. And if anyone has a complaint against another, forgiving each other, as the Lord has forgiven you, so also you must forgive. And above all these things, put on love, which binds everything together in perfect harmony. And let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts, to which indeed you were called in one body, and be thankful. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly, teaching and admonishing one another in all wisdom, singing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs with thankfulness in your heart to God. And whatever you do in word or deed, do everything in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. To wrap up, I'll just give you personal, right? Um, having grown up on the mission field, my parents were missionaries, Argentina, having grown up, in the home of a pastor, and having been in ministry all of my life, I, I think I've been conditioned this way. So, so maybe I have a little bit of advantage that I personally, I've never viewed the Sunday gathering as a place where I just go to get. But it's a place where I get to go. 
Because that's what we do, right? That's where we gather. And so my encouragement to you that if you want to maximize this time, and, and when you walk out of here on Sundays, if, if you want to be full to the brim, and, and you want this to be impactful on your life, then live the rest of the way, the rest of the story that we talked about in Ephesians 5 and Colossians 3, purpose in your heart to live that way throughout the rest of the week. And then this time will become increasingly memorable and meaningful and significant to your heart. Amen? My topic this morning is uh, hospitality. And um, hospitality and caring for others that is people-oriented, not performance-driven. Now, what does that look like from the vision and mission of Buffalo City Church? Well, the main reason for all we do as disciple-makers is to encourage each other, one another, to worship God by finding satisfaction in Him and seeking to glorify Him in all things. Um, my statement, is it going to be on the screen here? Okay. I wrote this up. Uh, True hospitality is an outward expression of caring and nurturing God's people around our community while reflecting the attitude of Christ and all that we say and do for his glory. Hospitality isn't something that we do for ourselves, but we do for, in, for God's glory. Um, so do we show hospitality to impress others by putting on you know, a, a front or the best karma rolls in the town? Uh, no, we, we show hospitality because we, we love Christ and we want to serve Christ and we want to serve each other. Uh, do we show hospitality because we feel obligated? If we have to be honest with each other, sometimes we do that. Sometimes, you know, we're told to be hospitable to this person and that person. And uh, sometimes we do it at obligation, but that's not the correct attitude. Um, you know, maybe on our Christian good work list that we're supposed to do. Showing hospitality and caring for others the right way is reflected in some of the following scriptures that I'm going to read. The first one is from 1 Peter 4.9. Offer hospitality to one another without grumbling. Boy, is that an attitude check, right? <laughs> Boy, I don't feel like being hospital today, hospitable today. Um, and, uh, you know, Mackie looked at me the wrong way, so I'm just going to go over here um, because I, I feel offended. So even sometimes when we don't, Feel like being hospital to one another. One another, we need to to uh, search the scriptures and get our attitudes right. For Romans twelve three says, share with God's people who are in need. Practice hospitality. Uh, the Bible tells us we that have been given a lot are expected to share a lot. And each of us are probably at a different point in our life in that situation. But in Romans, it talks about sharing with God's people who are in need. Practicing hospitality. In Hebrews 13, 16, And do not forget to do good and to share with others, for with such sacrifice God is pleased. So that verse is telling us that God is pleased that we're stepping out of our comfort zone and helping others and showing hospitality uh, to those people. Luke 14, 12 through 14, Jesus said this to his host, When you give a luncheon or dinner, do not invite your friends, your brothers, or relatives, or your rich neighbors. If you do, they may invite you back, and so you will be repaid. But when you give a banquet, invite the poor, the crippled, the lame, the blind, and you will be blessed. Although they cannot repay you, 
you will be repaid at the resurrection of the righteous. It's easy sometimes to invite friends that we see here at church that we know, that we sit beside our relatives, our family, but what about the person that's alone, who came alone today, the person that needs conversation, just needs to be together with someone. You can show hospitality that way as well. Galatians 6.10 says, Therefore, as we have opportunity, let us do good to all people, especially to those who belong to the family of believers. Again, emphasizing us to be taking care of each other as a family, as a family of God. Uh, not just the family of believers, but also every human being in our, that we come into existence with. Um, lastly, Colossians 3, 23 to 24, whatever you do, work at it with all your heart as working for the Lord. Okay, we're not working for man, we're working for the Lord, not for human masters, since you know that you will receive an inheritance from the Lord as a reward. It is the Lord Christ you are serving. Okay, so we need to keep that in perspective. Who are we serving? Uh, are we serving each other here? Or are we serving it for the Lord and, and for his glory? So looking forward on Vision Sunday, what are some practical ways maybe our Buffalo City Church family can strive to serve, care, and nurture each other in our community throughout the next year? Well, for one thing, I think we have to start with uh, seeking God daily through prayer, asking him to give us opportunities to share his hope and his love to others. And don't be surprised if God wants you to be the willing hands and feet. Okay, not the other person, but if you're going to pray, Lord, give me opportunities, then you better be ready to, to uh, walk the talk. Get connected with people enough to know their need and how you can help them. If we live in our own little box, we're not going to see those kinds of things. So get connected to people and uh, enough to know how, what their need is and how you can help them. Uh, be aware of service projects that are happening in the community, happening in our church. Uh, where has God gifted you in that particular areas? Um, we all are given gifts and talents, some greater than others, but God expects us to use the talent and the gifts which he has given us. Uh, volunteering to help uh, at, you know, with our church body where he has given you the gifts and, and to serve, that's important as well. So I challenge you this morning to um, check how you're doing on hospitality and caring and nurturing for your neighbor, for your church family, for your community. <clears throat> um, do you consider yourselves, without raising your hands, do you consider yourselves to be generous people? Um, and what do you think of first when you think of somebody that's a generous person? More than likely, you think about money. Um, that, that's what we think of when we talk about being generous. Um, and in fact, that's important. Uh, there are over 2,300 verses in the Bible that talk about finances. Um, it's the, uh, the, the number one topic that Jesus talked about. In other words, he talked about the topic of finances more than any other topic uh, that, he ta that he talked about. So, it's not that it's not important, <clears throat> but as you read through uh, the Bible, and particularly the New Testament, what you'll find is that uh, generosity is a condition of your heart. It is an indication of the condition of your heart. Um, we're commanded to be uh, cheerful givers. Uh, last week, Caleb talked about, uh, out of Matthew chapter 6, 
the reward that you get for being generous uh, and whether you want that reward to be here on earth or in, in, during eternity. Um, so giving does matter, um, and, and we have expenses. We have things that we have to uh, take care of. Um, and I, I'll tell you this. I'll, I'll commend you for the generosity which we have seen here at Buffalo City Church. When, when we started the church plant, um, and, and I didn't hear this directly, but both Mark and Caleb said that the people that advised them about church planting said that what you need to do is go out and raise money for the first three years of your existence so that you can actually plant a church. You need three years worth of financial uh, sustainability before you start your church plant. Well, we didn't do that. Uh, we raised enough money to buy some necessary things to start the church and had about a, about a quarter of a year's worth of money in the bank after that. And so thank you to all of you who are incredibly generous. For the last almost two years now, uh, this church has survived on just your gifts. And I don't mean it that it's just your gifts. It's, it has completely covered all the expenses that we've had. We don't get any money from any outside organization or group or, or individual. So you're to be commended for that. Um, at the same time, we'll continue to have expenses. Uh, we will continue to want to grow. We will continue to grow. And part of the vision of Buffalo City Church is to have other church plants. So we will need to start setting aside money for that. So there's always the issue of money, and that's important. Uh, but it's not the only part of being a generous person or being a generous people. Um, another uh, part of that is... Uh, time. Um, how much of your time are you willing to give away? How much of your time do you give away? Um, what can you do without getting paid for it, without any benefit to you? What can you do for the benefit of someone else? And what time do you give to that? Um, it really boils down to, for me, one thing. And that is, do you truly love other people? Do you love them enough to serve them, not expecting anything in return? And the amount of time that you give for those types of things uh, will certainly be an indication of the condition of your heart. Uh, part of it's simply not wasting time. How much time do you spend doing things that when you're done doing them, and, and the big one for me is watching TV, when you're done watching a TV show, where, where, where are you? Are you better off than you were before you watched it? Did you accomplish anything? Did you gain anything from it? Um, probably not. Um, we can spend hours watching ball games when, in fact, we could be doing something that would actually benefit somebody else. Uh, one of the things that I was looking for as we decided to plant this church was, and I'm going to make a general statement. I'm not talking about any specific church, but it seems that the North American church today has become uh, a, a group of people that do things with inside the four walls of their church. They don't reach out to their community. And I wanted to make sure that, that we had as part of our vision to reach out to, 
to the community of Jamestown, to be able to go meet people's needs, again, without expecting anything in return. So I would challenge you today, as, as community groups, uh, as individuals, to look for things in the community that you can do for other people to meet their needs, to reflect Christ to those people. That's what you should do with your time. Uh, in, and this can take place just with an encounter with somebody on the street or at work, or you might meet somebody that is, that's dirty or ugly or just somebody that you don't want to do anything with or to or, or have any relationship with. And what you have to think about is that God loves that person just as much as he loves you. So it doesn't matter what condition they're in. It doesn't matter how much you would like to move away and move on to somebody else. God loves that person, and, and the relationship that you build with that person may be the relationship that that person needs to, be, to become a Christian, to know God. Uh, the third uh, item that I want to talk about is talent. And uh, Larry briefly touched on this, uh, but each one of us have talents. Uh, we use them at work. Some of us have talents that allow us to do a certain job really well. Uh, some of us use them for uh, hobbies. Some use them for uh, singing or playing an instrument or um, doing things that uh, they like to do, maybe playing a sport. Um, so you need to consider what you've been gifted with, <clears throat> uh, what talents you have. Um, and in addition to that, understand that every believer has a spiritual gift. Uh, Romans 12, uh, 1 Corinthians 12, both talk about spiritual gifts. And those are gifts that God has given to each of us for the edification of the body of Christ. So for the assistance, the help, the edification of the other people that are part of your uh, worship group, part of your church. Um, and you need to take those talents, give them back to God, ask him for uh, direction in how to use those talents. Um, and again, it, it's, it's all a condition of your heart. Um, you, can, you can give all of your money. There's a verse in the Bible that says, if, you give all your, if I give all my money, all my possessions to the poor, but have not love, what, what is it accomplished? It has accomplished nothing. So it's a condition of your heart towards other people and how, uh, how you love those people. Um, so, the statement is that, that I came up with was, everything we do is about what he has done for us. That would be a condition of your heart that, re that is reflected in how you give, whether it's your money or your time or your talents. Um, and I'll close with, uh, with these verses. 1 Peter uh, chapter 4, starting with verse 7. The end of all things is near. Therefore, be of sound judgment and sober spirit for the purpose of prayer. Above all, keep fervent in your love for one another, because love covers a multitude of sins, or love forgives over and over, is what that means. Be hospitable to one another without complaint. Larry already read that verse. <clears throat> As each one has received a special gift, Employ it in serving one another as good stewards of the manifold grace of God. Whoever speaks 
is to do so as one who speaks the utterances of God. Whoever serves is to do so as one who is serving by the strength which God supplies, so that in all things God may be glorified through Jesus Christ, to whom belongs the glory and dominion forever and ever. Amen. morning. How are you guys doing? Good. All right. Well, this morning, uh, I'm going to speak a little bit about community. Uh, it's a term that we've heard a lot here at Buffalo City Church. If you've been here before, you've heard the idea of community groups and the idea of connecting outside of our Sunday morning worship gathering quite frequently. Um, you've, uh, for any of you that maybe are new here or, or haven't spent much time at Buffalo City Church, you're aware and, and understanding of the idea of community, right? As we go to work, as we are involved with our families, as we have hobbies and interests, all of those are surrounded by community, right? The idea that we're doing these things together, right? And so as we look at vision today, we're going to look at a little bit an understanding of what our vision is for community, right? The world has its own visions of community, right? A tight-knit group of people that really likes NASCAR, right? Or a tight-knit group of people who is really passionate about, I don't know, the, the place that they work, right? All of those things are community. But we're called, as members of the local church, to be passionate about one thing, and one thing alone, and that is Christ God. And so that is what we as a people rally around. And so um, that is truly the vision for community groups, right? Our church has realized that, that it is important to establish community, right? That you have to have relationships rallied around that one singular purpose, right? And so we've established these community groups, Right, we've established this intentional time where we come to get to know other people who also have an interest in knowing God more. Right? We come alongside and we say, Hey, you know, Mark, you know Jesus as well? Great, let's get together and understand and live life together to understand what it looks like to love God, right? To love one another, to go through the messiness and the challenges of life, right? Because it's easy here on Sunday morning as we stand here and, and worship and praise, right? To acknowledge and understand that we serve an almighty God, right? But throughout the week, we end up with difficult situations, right? We end up with difficult circumstances where we find ourselves saying, God, you're not for me. God, are you really here with me? And when we're on an island and we're trying to struggle through that on our own, the devil will swallow us up. We know that the devil will swallow us up if we allow ourselves 
to fight the battle of dealing with the world on our own. And so we've created an intentional time where we come together as communities to encourage each other, to remind each other of our risen Savior, to remind each other of the need to come alongside and love others around us, right? So as we look at these community groups, right, a lot of us might be saying, oh, there's another thing on my calendar, right? There's another thing for me to do on a Tuesday night, on a Wednesday night, right? I have a list, a litany list of things that I need to get done, right, that I need to accomplish. What's another thing on my list? But if we're not intentional about coming together with God's people in the difficult and messy parts of life, then again, we're going to be left to our own admission to try and find God in that, right? And so we, we ask and we encourage and we beg each other to connect, right? To spend time together, intentional time getting to know each other. So as we look, as, look at the statement uh, for community groups, and I think it'll be up here on the screen, Community groups at Buffalo City Church are a starting point for building intentional, Christ-centered relationships focused on serving our community, encouraging each other, and truly experiencing life together. Now, I would be remiss to tell you that life in community is perfect, right? That that, oh, we're just going to get a wonderful group of people together and we're going to talk about what's difficult about life and, and we're just going to, you know, sit around and, and sing songs of worship and, and everything's going to be fine and dandy. That would be misguided, right? That would be misunderstood and we're not expecting that to be the case. But what we are expecting as we look to have intentional Christ-centered relationships focused on serving our community, encouraging each other, and truly experiencing life together, is an opportunity to practice what we're called to do and be by Christ Jesus. Right? We can only be and do what Christ calls us to do if we're doing it together. Right? We serve a God of relationship. Right? A God who is defined by the Trinity, the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, right? A God three in one, one who is a communal, community-driven God. And so we have to be together, right? We are called to live life and be in the messiness of life together. And uh, it allows us to practice the things that God calls us to practice, right? It allows us to tear down the the prideful walls that we have and be vulnerable with each other, right? It allows us to, um, to practice forgiveness when someone, as Larry mentioned, maybe looks at us the wrong way, right? Or doesn't believe the same way that we believe, right? We get an opportunity to, to truly understand and become, as we're called to be, others-focused, Right, because again, when we sit on our own little island trying to study the word and understand who God is and go through the monotony of our everyday life, 
it's easy for us to forget that we should be pointing towards a one and only God, right? And so we need our community to encourage us, to build us up, to remind us, to be there and, uh, and point us to where we need to be pointed. So as we look forward to this upcoming year, um, looking to fulfill the vision of seeing transformed lives engaged in spirit-empowered worship, Christ-like service, and gospel-saturated community resulting in multiplying congregations, I invite and encourage you to answer the call of investing in the lives of others in community groups. Allow a community group to be a starting point for building intentional Christ-centered relationships. If you're sitting here this morning and, and you're not part of a community group, um, please come talk to one of us that spoke this morning. Please, I encourage you, I implore you to get involved, right? To connect, to begin that process of seeing what it is like to live in a community of believers, right? To get through and go through the messiness of life together, to be vulnerable and to teach each other what it's like to forgive and to love, right? If you are involved in a community group, as we look at a vision for this next coming year, I would encourage you to press further, right? To truly get to know and in be involved in the lives of people that God has called you to be with, right? Again, we do not want our Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday night community group that is not the end-all, be-all, right? That is not another box to check. I oh, I did my Sunday morning worship. I did my community group, right? The goal and the intent is that that is a starting point to know those around you, right? To truly invest in and be a part of the lives of the people that God has called you to. And so... Uh, again, if you're a part of a community, press in. Commit yourself to being others-focused. Find people in your community group to serve, to love, to get to know on a deeper level. And that is truly uh, where we'll be gospel-focused. So before I pray for us here, um, I just want to turn to Scripture real quick. Um, for those of you that have your Bibles, John 13 verses 34 and 35, where it says, and again, this is where, you know, as, as we look at Vision Sunday today, one thing that I want you guys to leave with is that we don't do these things because they're, that we want to, right? We don't do these things because we picked out, oh, let's, let's do community groups and let's just you know, come together on Sunday and sing some songs, right? These aren't unintentional activities, right? These are activities that we're called to in Scripture, right? That our God, an almighty, sovereign God who knows it all, has called us, has commanded us to do these things. So John 13, 34, 35 says, A new commandment I give to you, that you love one another. Just as, I has just as I have loved you, you also are to love one another. By this, all people will know that you are my disciples if you have love 
for one another. So, right, as we look at loving one another, we have to know one another, right? It's pretty easy to say, I can tolerate that person. I can put up with that person if all you have to do is, is meet with them an hour a week or two hours a week if you're a part of a community group, right? But if community group is that starting point to build a relationship and we get in the messiness and the difficulty of life, we start to truly see that we can love other people, right? The idea that we're choosing to love someone despite their flaws, right? Choosing to love someone as we've been called to in scripture here. So again, uh, I invite you to invest in the community of Buffalo City Church. Get to know the people around you. Get to know who you've been called to commune with in community group. Really practice in this next coming year of being others focused. Thank you, brother. I just want to mention and and say that these four men, it's an incredible privilege to be partnered with them in ministry. And everything that you've heard them say this morning is something that, that they're living into. Everything that they, they've said this morning is the, the fact, because of the fact they're, they're modeling each of these things that they've talked about this morning. Um, so my task this morning is going to be to kind of, you tall people, move this up so far on me. Um, my task this morning is going to sort of wrap all this up and bring this together. And I know we've said a lot of words this morning, so I'm only going to take like 45 to 50 minutes. Just kidding. No, I'm not. We'll just go ahead and, and in the next few minutes wrap this up. One of the reasons we chose these, these four things to talk about is because we as a people together oftentimes forget the importance or why we do the things that, that we do, why we gather together and why we exist in the way that we exist as the, as the local church. So as you've heard these four men talk about these several aspects of the Christian life, um, all of these things are going to contribute to what you're going to see behind me on the screen, um, what we're going to call our time together. Um, there's three M words that you're going to see in just a second, I promise. Are they there? Yep, there it is. Message, mission, and multiplication. These are part of our vision as Buffalo City Church and really important aspects of who we are as, as a church body. As those who are in Christ, we've received a message. That message is the gospel. As those who uh, are in Christ, we have received a mission to proclaim the truth of that gospel. Um, and uh, the result of that proclamation of the gospel is disciple-making, or what we've called our mission here. We exist to make disciples of, that make disciples of Jesus Christ. Or what we're going to call this morning, we're going to call it multiplication because we like alliteration and M words are, are good. So before we dive in, I want to look together at just one verse in Romans, Romans 12, 2. But before we dive in, I want you to think about submarines. I want you to think about submarines because that's something that we regularly think about in North Dakota. Like, like not just like, I'm, I'm talking about like big time uh, nuclear submarines, like Hunt for Red October, Sean Connery, Alec Baldwin submarines. Those are the submarines I want you to think about this morning. And I want you to think about the local church, us, together as a body, people who have covenanted together uh, in the truth of the gospel. I want to think of us as a submarine, as a submarine. We're on a mission, right? Submarines have missions. We're on a mission to proclaim the message, to see others receive the message, and to engage in the mission themselves. 
And there is something that submarines have that we also need to be equipped with, and that's countermeasures. We need to be equipped with countermeasures. So what I'm going to propose to you this morning is that the four things that were discussed by the men up here this morning, uh, engagement in the corporate worship setting, uh, joyful generosity, hospitality and care for one another, and, and engaging and existing for others. Those four things are actually countermeasures that we have together as a local church. I'm going to explain to you exactly what that means. Let me give you a definition just of what a countermeasure is if you're unfamiliar with submarine movies. Countermeasures refer to objects of varying types that would be used to distract missiles or torpedoes away from their intended target. So in the case of a submarine being chased by a torpedo that's homing on the noise made by the sub, they eject effectively a drum of compressed air generating a lot of bubbles, which seems like a valid target to a pinning, pinning tor- torpedo. So basically they're launched out in order to deflect and uh, disperse a torpedo that's coming the sub's way. And here's why I like this word. Here's why I like this word. As a church, what is the church? The church is God's people gathered together for God's purposes. That's what the local church is. God's people gathered together for God's purposes. As a church, we always need to be launching countermeasures. So look at Romans 12, 2 with me. Look at this verse. Just a simple verse here. Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind, that by testing you may discern what is the will of God and what is good and acceptable and perfect. So countermeasures then for the local church are actions we take as a church to, be, to avoid being conformed to the world. So what we're going to call it is we're going to call it counterformation. If, we, if Paul tells us not to be conformed to the world, we need to be formed in a different way. We need to be counterformed. We need to be formed in a completely different way. So remember that. Remember this word, counter-formation. That's our idea this morning. So the question that comes out of this is, what are we being formed by as a people? What are we being formed by as a people? The path of least resistance, friends, the path of least resistance is to be conformed to the world. The world gives us a lot of different things, and the path of least resistance is to be conformed to the, to the world. But God, through the power of the gospel and the spirit that he has granted us, is, has given us a way to be counterformed. And counterformation happens when we as a body regularly commit to the four things that were talked about this morning. When we commit to corporate worship, when we, care to hospi- or when we commit to hospitality and care for one another, when we commit to joyful generosity, when we commit to existing for others in the context of community, when we do these things, when we commit to people and not to activities, and when we find rhythm in these things, when we find consistency in these things together, this guards against being conformed to the world, making space for the transformation by the renewal of our mind. And so the fact of the matter is the world is firing torpedoes at us consistently. I'm just going to continue this metaphor. Just continually firing tor- torpedoes at us. Just tons of different things. We talk about these all of the time, these torpedoes that come our way. What does the world value? What does the world say that you should want or desire? The world says possessions. It says time and energy. It says financial stability, power. The list could go on and on and on. You turn on the TV. You turn on the radio. You go on Facebook. Live in the world for five minutes, and you understand what the world values. And that is dramatically different. That is dramatically different when the, what Scripture tells us that we should value. God's people are called to value different things. The promise of an eternal inheritance in Christ Jesus. Not the here and now, but what's to come. 
Servanthood, serving one another openly and being imitators of Christ in the way that we serve others. To care for the marginalized and the disenfranchised in our world. And all of these things can just be summed up in one word. Christ-likeness. Christ-likeness. He's our example here. And so we pursue Christ-likeness together and the world is firing these torpedoes at us. He's saying, this is important. That is important. You need, to, you need to look at this and you need to make your life about this. You need to orient your life around boats and cars and money and possessions and time and energy and your health and all of these different things. You need to orient your life around these things, whatever it is for you. And the fact of the matter is some of us in this room are taking critical blows by these things. We are taking critical blows over and over and over again. You see that which you think will make you happy and you go hard after it. You see that which you think will make you happy and you go hard after it. And maybe it's not as simple as possessions or energy or power or whatever. Maybe it's not that simple. Maybe it's a little more complex. Maybe you're seeking happiness by controlling someone in your life. Maybe you've set yourself up as physically imposing over a person and you're seeking happiness there. Maybe you're seeking happiness by frequently dipping yourself into an over-sexualized culture. Maybe you've repeated conflict with a coworker at work, and so in order to seek happiness, you've, you've delved deep into something far more destructive, into alcohol or to drugs or, or just simple entertainment, things that you think are, are benign. And the torpedoes keep coming. They keep coming. They keep coming over and over again. And when you get up from one blow, another one knocks you down. And another one knocks you down and again and again. And so friends, these four things that we've talked about this morning, that these faithful men have talked to you about this morning, these four things that we need to, we need to be regularly putting into practice into our lives because these are the countermeasures that God has given to us. We need to be equipped with them. No submarine heads to war without countermeasures. That would be ludicrous. But in we together as Christians, if we neglect the meeting together in corporate worship, if we neglect to love our neighbor and care and hospitality, if we ne- neglect to joyfully and freely give of all that's been given to us, if we neglect the people, to let people into our mess, if we neglect to cultivate meaningful relationships, this is where we will head to war without countermeasures. And these are regular rhythms. We're just going to call them rhythms. Just things that we consistently do. We wake up, we brush our teeth, we take a shower, whatever it is that we do in our daily lives. We need to incorporate these things so dramatically into our life that it is second nature. I brush my teeth twice a day. We, th- this needs to be this, this important to us. It needs to be this ingrained into who we are as followers of Jesus. These are regular rhythms that prevent being conformed to this world and create space. They create fertile ground for the transformation that we need to experience by the renewal of our minds. And so, friends, we need to be launching these countermeasures. We need to be present as possible in this setting. We need to be faithfully calling others into this and living for them despite feeling dried up and broken. We need to be imitating Christ in that. We need to give freely, not out of abundance, but out of faith. We need to give of our time and our talent, like Ralph said, and out of our, out of our financial resources, not out of abundance, but out of faith. Don't ask how much is left in the pot so I can give some. 
Ask how much more can I give because of what's been, what's, free, what's been given to me freely in Christ Jesus. And not only that, but how can I demonstrate to a world that says, get, get, get everything that you need, get it all and bring it all in and put it all in your barn. How can I demonstrate beyond the shadow of the doubt that my treasure is not here on this earth but in heaven? How can I put myself into situations regularly where I'm required to listen and to think about the needs of others and not our own? The local church exists. Buffalo City Church, we exist. We exist. If you identify with Buffalo City Church, we exist for the purposes of counter-formation. Our mission to make disciples who make disciples of Jesus Christ is not to make churchgoers, is not to make Republican voters, is not to make conscience parents, is not to make people who promote philanthropic organizations. That is not what we exist to do. We exist to be formed in a completely different way from the world and to invite others to reject the empty pursuits of this world and to offer people God himself. So three things that I'll leave you with, these three M words that we started our time with, the message, the mission, and the and multiplication. We need to engage these practices. We talked about this morning for the purposes of counter-formation. We need to identify and get our minds around these ideas. So I'm going to give you scripture. I'm going to give you three scriptures here. The first is 2 Corinthians 5, 16 through 21. This is the message. From now on, therefore, we regard no one according to the flesh. Even though we once regarded Christ according to the flesh, we regard him thus no longer. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has passed away. Behold, the new has come. All uh, this is from God, who through Christ reconciled us to himself and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. That is, in Christ, God was reconciling the world to himself, not counting their trespasses against them, and entrusting to us the message of reconciliation. This is the message we've been given. Therefore, because we've been given this message, therefore we are ambassadors for Christ, God making his appeal through us. We implore you on behalf of Christ to be reconciled to God. For our sake he made him to be sin, who knew no sin, so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. We seek to grow in our understanding of the message of the gospel that's been granted to us. The message of reconciliation is the gospel. In order to do so consistently and effectively, we need to be launching the countermeasures. The mission. What is the mission that we've been given? Simply put, the Great Commission in Matthew 28, 18-20. And Jesus said to them, All authority in heaven and earth has been given to me. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And behold, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. The mission is to take the message and to speak it and to live it. The mission is to take the message and it is to speak it and it is to live it. And in order to do so effectively and consistently, we need to be launching the countermeasures. And then multiplication, this last word, right? We're going to linger here for just a minute. This is Acts 2, 42 through 47. And they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to the fellowship, to the breaking of bread, and to the prayers. And awe came upon every soul, and many wonders and signs were being done through the apostles'. And all who believed were together and had all things in common. 
And they were selling their possessions and belongings and distributing the proceeds to all as any had need. And day by day, attending the temple together and breaking bread in their homes, they received their food with glad and generous hearts, praising God and having favor with all the people. And the Lord added to their number day after day those who were being saved. Look at, look at this. Look at right here. It's back there? Yep, okay. Look at this. Corporate worship. Look at these. All of these things, all these four things are contained here in this text. Corporate worship. They devoted themselves to teaching. Awe came upon every soul. That is why we get together and worship. So that to, to generate, to develop, to cultivate a deeper sense of awe for who God is. And signs and wonders were being done. They were being transformed in the image of Jesus Christ in that minute, in those moments that they gathered together. And then hospitality and care for one another. They were breaking bread together. They were having all things in common. They were joyfully generous. It says that they had glad and generous hearts and they devoted themselves together. They existed for one another. They devoted themselves to fellowship together regularly in each other's homes. Breaking bread. Friends, this is counterformation. The early church from day one knew the fact that the world was sending them. The world was firing torpedoes at them. And this is them firing the countermeasures. The very first day, understanding that they could not be conformed to the world, but were to be transformed by the renewal of their mind. And so they put these things into practice. And the result, look at the result, the second half of verse 47. And the Lord added to their number day by day those who were being saved. Friends, our vision is to multiply. It's not to be stagnant. It's to multiply. Our vision is to relentlessly offer God to Jamestown and and the surrounding region through our regularly gathering together, through our care for one another, through our joyful generosity, through existing for others. We want to see people come to know Jesus, to make disciples. We want to see groups of people committed to one another taking shape in community groups. We want to see groups of people. We want to see leaders raised up and churches planted in every direction, up and down 281, over and back and forth on on I-94, wherever it is. Churches of people who are committed to counter-formation through worshiping together, through caring for one another, through giving generously, and through existing for others. And these are our filters. We want all that we do to be protecting this submarine We want all that we do to be protecting the submarine through being equipped with countermeasures. Or like Paul says, we desire to be transformed by the renewal of our mind and not conform to this world. I would submit to you that the reason that things are difficult and we have difficulty finding rhythm in these areas is because we're trying to conform this experience into what the rest of the world's experiences are. That's why Mark talked about entertainment. Because we come here and we want to be entertained. That's why Larry talked about hospitality in the way that he did. Because we sometimes want to come into this context and we want to be served. We don't want to imitate Christ. We want to serve. But Jesus said very clearly that he didn't come to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. And the list goes on and on and on and on. We need to put these things into practice, not because they fit into what we're currently doing, but because they directly oppose it. And so we've said this a billion times, and we'll say it another trillion, I'm sure. 
Blaze said it just a minute ago. The Christian life cannot be lived in isolation. You must join together with other believers. Notice that all the countermeasures, everything that we've talked about this morning, involves others. And isolation will leave you vulnerable to sin, to Satan, and to the world. And God intends to use the likes of others to form you. He wants to form you in the image of His Son, Jesus Christ. And He intends to use means uh, to do that. And those means are other people. And he intends to use you to form other people as well. So again, the call is clear. We were talking about this this morning. If you haven't involved yourself in the life of Buffalo City Church other than just on Sunday morning, I would implore you to not be conformed to the world, to engage in real meaningful ways. And you say, this is, re- this is the response I usually get. Where's the sign-up sheet? Where's the sign- I don't have a sign-up sheet. I do not have a sign-up sheet. I don't have a sign-up sheet for you. But I do see a group of people here who exist and who are ready and prepared and willing to love you and care for you. I do see a group of people here who need the love and care that you can provide to them. And this is a place to live into our God-given purpose that we have to exist for each other. The sign-up sheet isn't a paper one but rather your willingness to engage others on a heart level. The sign-up sheet is not a paper sign-up sheet, but it's the heart level engagement that you can offer people. So to open yourself up to be cared for by others, to be ready to be cared for by others, I guarantee there will always be an excuse. Friends, there's always an excuse. I'm an introvert. I don't like awkward situations. I'm too tired. I'm too busy. I want to get everything figured out in my daily life when my spouse and I finally get on the same page. These excuses are hallmarks of being conformed to the world. So fire the countermeasures. Together we, as a body, are going to fire the countermeasures. We're going to develop a rhythm. We're going to be transformed by the renewal of our minds. And if you're in Christ, the same spirit that raised Jesus from the dead dwells inside of you. He empowers you daily to do these things. You're not doing this in your own power. You're freely admitting that you can't. And this is not a promise that you won't be an introvert. It's not a promise that you won't be socially awkward. This is coming from the guy who forgot his own daughter last week while I was waxing eloquent about congregational affirmation or something like that. I have not felt anything but awkward since that moment. You don't have to live in fear. That's what this boils down to. If if you haven't engaged, I challenge you to, to let us love you. There are people here who are ready to love you. And if you have, but maybe you've done so reluctantly, I would challenge you to step a little bit farther and love people indiscriminately. Do so in a sold-out kind of way. So I'll just leave you with these four questions. Again, none of this is meant to be new. If you've been with us, you've heard this a million times. None of this is meant to be new. What it is is meant to refresh us to give us a, a refresher course on what we're about and what we're called to do as a, as a body. I'm just going to leave you these four questions. Am I engaged in corporate worship regularly? Am I prepared to seize opportunities to care for and show hospitality towards others? Am I joyfully giving of my resources with no thought of return? Am I meeting together with others, seeking to forge relationships, committing to people and not activities? Answering these questions is ongoing. If it's yes now, it might be no tomorrow. If it's no tomorrow, it might be yes the next day. And to answer these questions is ongoing. 
But we want to, together as a body, develop consistency in answering these in the affirmative. We want to be answering these yes regularly. We want to look at each other and say, hey, I'm doing these things, and say, yeah, I am. Yes, we are, together, as a body. Because I think this will propel us, in, propel us into a greater understanding of the message that we've been given, the mission that we've been tasked with, and ultimately resulting in making disciples who make disciples of Jesus Christ. Let me pray for us.